0: fire by the mighty armored saint symbol of salvation this is record metal podcast 1991 the year i fell head over heels for metal being mark rudolph and i'm jason huddy and uh
1: you can't uh, you can't ask for a better show opener than Reign of fire which also kicks off symbol of salvation and uh um yeah 91 is a is a It's a pretty strange year indeed um it's kind of the the turning point for the american metal scene uh in a lot of ways which we'll we'll get into in a second and um it's also kind of the rise of and and almost the beginning of the domination of the european uh death metal scene uh, that we'll talk talk about a little bit later as well so you know some kind of interesting irons in the fire uh the british doom metal scene is is kind of going to kind of take off full bloom and we'll, we'll talk about that later near
0: the end of the show and well the other interesting thing about uh rain of fire it's mm-hmm. the only song that sounds remotely anything like this on the entire show yes this is true
1: <laughs> it's sort of an anomaly. it's probably
0: the most the most mainstream ish you know mainstream yeah. friendly i would say song and that was at the time armored saint was a band i thought was incredibly lame but yeah. you know after you know, years looking back and reflecting, I can kind of see their merits. Well,
1: yeah. At first, it, I think it took with Mark was uh, when we back when we did the Anthrax show, boy, years ago. It was one of the f- first like 15, 16 shows we did, and uh, getting you into the the John Bush era Anthrax stuff a little bit, where you were like, oh, I can actually kind of hear what was it's, yeah, going I, on. Yeah, I had this, to, you know? I had to basically justify to myself it's a different band. Yeah, it really is. Just it's two different bands, two different eras and stuff, and then. I end up kind of on a whim reading a lot about Symbol of Salvation because I too, like Mark, had kind of thought like eh, this. Is, you know, John Bush was good out of this band, but there was really nothing else of value. Mm-hmm. And the more I read about this record, the more like everyone was like, "Oh, this is an absolute masterpiece!" And uh, sure enough, it's 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 pretty fantastic record, and the story behind it's pretty uh, pretty interesting, kind of tragic. The guy who wrote most of the music, one of the original guitar players died um i can't remember if i want to it's see right it. before it was released wasn't it well it was, or before, no, before, it was before they went to record it and so then they they basically it took them like three years to get this whole album like basically together uh the way that they were sort of satisfied and dave and actually recorded it who went on and did stuff with like jane's addiction and um did, did some like bigger records i guess
0: i know? think that's why it seems kind of like a, a piece out of time as well as yeah. you know it comes out in 91 when it really should have probably come out in. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine. 89. Back when and, uh, it would have sort of probably made a bigger in. thrash yeah. metal kind of, uh, you know, would have had a bigger impact
1: indeed. So, but, you know, it's it's kind of a weird way of opening in a sense because it is sort of an anomaly. But the anomaly about 1991, if we're talking kind of history here, and uh, trust me, it you know, 1991, this is, if you've been counting down, this is the third, uh, third, I guess, most greatest uh, it's
0: starting to sound like Sean Hannity. Year, yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 third most important in our frame of reference, yes. Year of exactly. metal, and it gets tough, you know. the the,
1: the These top four, uh, bottom four, I guess you should say, got got really kind of tricky. And so, um, between this and the, and the top two, we we did a lot of, I don't know, a lot of back and forth. Let's just put it that. Him and Haw and then, yeah. But some other records that sort of came out in the American scene, uh, and we'll talk first about the American scene, and then kind of work our way towards Europe. But um, you know, this was a year that saw you know Overkill's Horoscope, which is kind of another, uh, I guess, late late thrash classic. You know, that had it been released maybe a couple of years prior, I think people might have appreciated Overkill
0: uh, Horoscope a little bit more. The Horoscope did really well though too. Yeah. But because there was those, those hangers-oners, sure, yeah, you know, that didn't want the want to let want the scene to go, didn't wasn't jumping, you know, glomming on to, you know, things like Pantera or anything else that was kind of turning in a different directions. So, yeah, no, and that's a, that's a good point
1: to make because you know, in a strange way, you know, this is sort of like we have just seen the peak of thrash in 1989, 1990 with some kind of thrash metal like epic classics like "Seasons of the Abyss" and "Rust in Peace" mm-hmm. and, and Peace of, uh, "Persistence of Time" and things like that, and then you're also seeing kind of the death of you know, Cockroft. And we'll we'll talk oh, about yeah. that in a moment. You know, it's so it's a really kind of a transitional year in the American scene. You know, indeed, and that's why we want
0: to start off with something as like strange as Armored Saint. You know, well, and grunge pretty much took the blew the took the wind out of the sails of. Cock Rock and Trash well, too. I, I should say there's there's
1: four kind of big records that we should mention, and we're not playing anything off these four records, but I think these four records really changed the entire decade of 1991. One, I guess I'd start with the least important, would be Skid Row "Slave to the Grind, and the only reason I mention that is it debuted at number one, and that was sort of an anomaly at its time for something as heavy as "Slave to the Grind to enter the Billboard charts at number one. Mm-hmm. I think it signaled in a, in a strange way that... like Maybe the American scene was ready for something heavier, and then kind of on the heels of that, Metallica' black record comes out, and that mm-hmm. really just the the floodgates. Mainstream are sort acceptance of for yeah, heavy metal. And then you have the Guns and Roses' Use Your Illusion records, one and two, are put out this year, which is sort of like the you know it's almost taking the the essence of like the '80s. I don't want to say Cock Rock because Guns N' Roses was was better than that stuff in a way, but it took like all the excesses of the 80s. Well, they took said, for, like the good things of Crew and records yeah, full yeah. of just excess, you know, like everything we possibly can pour on you. And and people loved it, you know, they absorbed it, but it but it felt like those records were out for like 3 years. They were like singles just constantly mm-hmm. coming off of it. And then of course the the notorious record that, that some metalheads blame for a lot of, you know, troubles but you know i i say it, it was reproductive and uh um rebirthing in a way and that's never mind from nirvana was was released this year too and so um you know i won't go into all the stuff that that record did, because we've already talked about it before. But then a couple other kind of non-metal-y things that would that sort of, like, really make this a strange year, too, is you have My Bloody Valentine Loveless, Slint Spiderland, and a favorite
0: of yours, which is Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Godfather. Yeah. One uh, of, I think, uh, it breaks down all barriers. As yeah. far as people that like, cool uh, record. like rock music and, you know, indie rock, pop, mm-hmm. anything. And I think Loveless and Spiderland do the same thing, and those have incredible influences,
1: especially on, like, the British scene and, and, and the Doom scene, you know, like the Catatonia, the anathemas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and then one other weird sort of anomaly I should mention is this is the year that anthrax's "Bring the Noise" comes out. All right. Yes, and that was sort of you know historically uh, pretty important. You know, the crossover with Public Enemy. I mean, it's a it's a little bigger than say like what Aerosmith was doing with Run DMC in terms of what it meant to metal. You know,
0: more think like I mean, the song I mean, meant something too. Sure, it it wasn't just a, you know to okay. "Walk This Way." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. They actually really merged you know, yeah. totally two styles and, and things
1: together. So, you know, those kind of things really, you know, as you can see, though just that what, what we just mentioned there is like a sea change that's happening in '91. You know, other American things. You had Coc's Blind, which is the introduction introduction of Pepper Keenan from Down and Coc Fame. Prime the vocalist uh, Carl something uh, Carl uh, Angle Angle, something like that. That was oh the one God. record he was on. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and some some cool stuff on that I mean it's a it's a really well produced record Uh, Primus Sailing Seas of Cheese their kind of first full length which had you know She's a race car driver and some other kind of big. Well, and stuff. the possessed reference or uh, uh, you know, Larry Lalonde, Larry Lalonde possessed, there, yeah. yeah. Uh, Soundgarden, Bad Finger, which kind of put them really on the map. You know, Monster Magnet, Spine of God, uh, Slayers, you know, Decade of Decadence, which is just one of the few. Decade of Aggression. Decade oh, of Decadence is uh, that's Motley Cruz. Cruz. Great sense. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, it's late at night. I wrote uh, down my show notes uh, the wrong thing, uh, but Decade of Aggression. That's one of my favorite live things. I don't listen to a lot of live records, you know. My favorite that, live Slayer's Live undead still. They're both great, but Slayer sounds great well, fuck live. Fuck the pen, man. You got by the sword. I, exactly. Exactly, you know. Uh we're quoting from War Ensemble <laughs> earlier you gotta
0: help each other out out there man. I mean, I see your brother going down help him up right
1: yeah um, Neurosis's is word is law Ozzy Osbourne kind of made his, his comeback with no more tears uh, Cancer put out Death Shall Rise Malevolent Creations Ten Commandments Immolations Dawn of Possession solid really solid record yeah great you know again if we had you know twenty extra minutes it probably would have been one of those records competing for a song in there. Ice Night, Night of Stormrider, Dark Angel Time Does Not Heal, Prongs Prove You Wrong, the kind of really the debut in a way of typo negative, slow, deep and hard. And then Cannibal Corpse Butchered at Birth. So there's still a lot of things kinda happening in America, you know.
0: Well, and this was I mean, you know, as, as kind of like all inclusive as it seems like scenes are nowadays, as far as like you don't you ne- don't necessarily have the kids that just listen to rap music. It's not so divisive as it is, as yep. it was back in the day. And, but uh, things were really genrefied at in, this point. It know? was, but in the '90s, at least, like you know, hanging out with like you know, we'd be riding around on skateboards, listening to Ice Cube, Carcass, like Mordred. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like across the board, like what sure. anything that w- that was remotely like heavy. It didn't have to or be edgy, like guitar almost, heavy. You know, yeah, or, yeah, like yeah. or you know, Public Enemy. A lot of this stuff. It totally mm-hmm. made sense to listen to all this stuff together. Yeah, and this is when that sort
1: of st- that like kind of '80s stigma of punks and metal kids can't hang out, rap. Fans and
0: metal fans can't. Hang all the walls up. kind of all that stuff
1: is starting to crumble.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it came down to attitude more than anything. It, there wasn't about like, well, these guys play hard rock and we play, you know, play rap. We perform rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's where just didn't exist. And that's where like I'll take a, a
1: record like say Nirvana's Nevermind or Slint Spiderland or My Belly Valentine Loveless and I'll say in an essence in attitude those records are way heavier than a lot of the late eighties sort of like popular metal stuff that was coming they out. They pushed the boundaries further than other yeah, people were at the time you know? for sure. I mean you know, Warrant called themselves a metal band, but Warrant didn't have anything on the balls that you hear on, like, a song like Territorial Pissings from Never from Nevermind, you mm-hmm. know, or anything that Nirvana was putting on Bleach and, you know, same with probably some of the stuff on Ned's Atomic Dustbin, you know, and the, the Bring the Noise with, with Anthrax, you know, as critical as people may have been of how, like, maybe novelty it was, that, that song's got a... a a lot of heaviness, a lot of attitude, and there's a lot yeah. of fierceness to it, you know? In hindsight, we laugh because well, we've heard it so though. many but times, yeah. you know? But, yeah, it's a it's a groove song, you know? So, but, Scotty Ian's uh, writing a little rapping, you yeah. Yeah, this is true. He he pulls it <laughs> off. He pulls it off. But this is, this is like a real big year for me because I'm sixth grade. I'm buying Metallica. I'm buying Queensryche. I'm starting to listen to Megadeth. I'm really... I'm really, you know, pushing towards the heavy stuff, but you're really kind of in... I'm 15, 16 at this point. You're in the death
0: metal at this point. Yeah, so this was my first job at Burger King, spending all my checks on basically every record we have on the list and then more. Yeah. You know, looking at these earlier, I was like, how did I even afford, well, I didn't pay for anything outside of... True, junk food and uh, yeah, you didn't have a car and others. Yeah, I didn't have a car, you know, insurance and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the good old days, the nice days. But this was like you know the point where you're buying stuff on import. Like you go buy you know a Morbid Angel record and it's twenty (laughs) four dollars import in a long box. So it was like you had to really pick you know wisely Mm -hmm. because I know a lot of people that like you know they pick up I can't even think of an absolute turd record, but some import that's you know sitting right next to Bolt Thrower and it's just garbage. And we're just going by covers. Oh yeah. Oh, this cover looks cool. It's kind of a crapshoot, but. Yeah, yeah. Grind Corcoon, I went by covers a lot too, you know, and it was like which
1: one looked the most evil, but yet, like, still had maybe a hint of classiness, you know, so there's some metallic uh, death rings going on in the background here. But. You know, so, anyways, as we hint towards the the sort of metal scene that's going on in America, one thing that was really popping up in 91 was the technical metal scene. Uh, The technical death scene was really, like, taking a hold and becoming pretty popular. Because I think what had happened is you're moving from the brutality of death metal from the late 80s, Mm -hmm. and it's just this constant refinement. And this was really, I think, for some death metal people, the only place you could go. Because it's like, at a certain point, how much more brutal can you
0: be than? Like leprosy, you know, or well, or, that's when you know Sweden comes in the picture. Well, yeah, and does it does, adds the groove? And <laughs> well, it's and where other instead other of taking yeah, metal, they take there's all these punk bands ended up turning into death metal, yeah, exactly. Bands. You know, and Napalm does yeah. the same thing with grind and stuff
1: over in, in Britain, and but in America, it seemed that that where the extreme end went was towards technical death metal. Um, and one record that we don't get a chance to play, I should mention, is the debut from Gore Guts, uh, which is technically Canadian, but still part of the North American scene that's considered dead. And it fits in with this next kind of uh, set of music that we're playing, which really the opening four songs uh, are, you know, touching in, in terms of where technical death metal can kind of go. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, because yeah, suffocation's technical was still like uh, pummeling the shit oh, out yeah, of you. Yeah, exactly. And more of angel <laughs> the same. You know, yeah. Blessed are the sick is such a like a
0: claustrophobic, like just it just beats you down kind of record. It's very tight. Well, I, I think that's kind of a record on its own level that nobody could really even touch at that yeah. time. I mean Trey, the stuff he's doing is 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 so inventive. Yeah. And just not the, the, just the whole jazz. atmosphere of the record yeah, and yeah. It's actually like unsettling guitar playing. It's not just like, here's how good I can play. It's like, here's how good I can play, but then also make you look over your shoulder. Sure. And speaking of how good he can play,
1: uh, you know, Atheist's Unquestionable Presence was put out this year. And and this for sure is, you know, one of those head turners, I think. Um, I'm sure if if we had been a little older and we had had maybe been listening to death metal since like 87, and then you all of a sudden get your hands on this or Death's Human record you're all of a sudden like, whoa, you yeah. know, like it just went up a whole nother notch in terms oh, of totally. technicality, you know, let alone the brutality that you know you hear in the the suffocation and morbid angel tracks that we're going to hear as well. But, you know, just from a, a standpoint of integrating the, the jazz and the, just some of the, the the arrangements, you
0: know, and, and well, I how think atheist kind of they, they kind of pull sort of, or uh, draws more from thrash than from old death metal for sure. Yeah, I mean, even the vocals are more kind of raspy, mm-hmm. you know, almost like Bay Area sounding stuff. And, yeah, and some of the breakdowns that you'll hear in And the Psychic Saw, I uh, mean, mm-hmm. just definitely kind of
1: out of that that traditional thrash scene, you know. But they they seem to pull it all together, and then you know the band that will kind of kind of be the last evolution that that made any sort of sense and i know for mark it's sort of eh, take it or leave it and that's cynic which
0: comes out later i think in 92 well and, let me, and let then me, it all kind of like let me qualify unravel. my statement or my uh, judgment here is that i first heard cynic on a demo tape back when they didn't have the stupid the, the, the vocoder the yeah. which i mean it's almost like you, you get uh, like a promo cd nowadays where they'll have like some kind of like click or pop or this cd is brought to you by yeah that that's like burned in your brain, but you know, in a good way for that because I was like, man, this record sounds fantastic, and then and then you throw you the vocoder though. on. I was like, oh my god, come on! And see, I didn't hear the non-vocoder Cynic demos until
1: after, and so <laughs> I, I can kind of and I don't know if they've ever been released properly. No, nah, I I got them off spot stuff. So, I'm sure hopefully <laughs> one day maybe uh the the ultimate edition of Focus will come out someday with all that stuff. No, it stuff. just came out not too long ago. Yeah, but they did like re-recordings of songs and stuff which wasn't really much of any milking it now. But that's a that's a whole different year. I don't yeah. want to talk about Cynic. So, we got Atheist on the way um and Unquestionable Presence. This is a, you know, Hall of Fame record, Decibel, you know, it it, it stands on its own and and the psychic Cell is kind of a fun groovy
0: catchy tune. When well, we saw him last uh well, year before last. Yeah, Metal Fest. At metal Fest. They were fantastic. Yeah, they're really Deathfest. Death Fest. They're really good for, you know, we, we thought they could be like a whole hot mess.
1: You know, with technical mm-hmm. death metal, you don't know how it's going to come across. Oh, yeah, but setting. I mean, like, even Gorgat's live sounded unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Luke was was pretty tight. I mean, he yeah, even though a, he had a fanny pack on, a I cool was, present, I was still digging it. I think uh, I think French Canadians can get away with the fanny pack, not ah, probably, just as long as you don't do it in any uh, British Commonwealth countries. Well, that's where you keep your flannel when you come down to the United States. Well, because you know, fanny means uh, it's a derogatory statement for female genitalia in England. Ah,
2: so if you so walk it can't around and, and say you got a
1: fanny pack, it, it kind of rubs people the wrong way, or they they you give a hit pack. cautious Luke look, uh, looks. But then we got Death's Human. Um... Which, you know, Chuck, you know, started hinting on um spiritual healing that he was gonna take things in, in a better you know, more well, tight speaking direction. Of cynic, we got, you know,
0: well, half the band yeah, here. Exactly. Too. Who who's who we got on this? We've got um Reiner on Reiner drums. Reiner on drums and uh guitar player. Can't think of his name now. Oh my gosh. Uh Paul Mazdival. And yeah. then uh Giorgio on bass. On bass. <sighs>
1: I mean, this is a, a, a all-star lineup, lineup. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then we got Suffocation. Uh, oh, sorry, lack of comprehension. We're going to be playing from Human, and then we got Suffocation's Effigy of the Forgotten" uh, with "Involuntary Slaughter," and then uh, a Morbid Angel track for you that we'll talk a little bit more when we come back, and then a little surprise at the end for you. So, enjoy Atheist, Death, Suffocation, Morbid Angel, and something else.
2: Whew.
3: to am No words Demons race into my eyes
1: Autopsies, twisted Mass of Burnt Decay from Mental Funeral, Morbid Angel Brainstorm from Blessed Are the Sick, and then we heard Suffocation, Death, and Atheist prior to that. Uh, you know, if, again, we, we don't want to talk too much about Death or Morbid Angel because we've already done... Uh, well, Death we've done four shows on. <laughs> only three. We still have the fourth oh, we? left to come. Yeah, oh, okay. we, we still haven't done the uh, Hall of Fame on Sound of Perseverance yet, but... That's down the road. We did a lot of death coverage, no, we did. no matter what we the case. Did. And uh, Morbid Angel, way back when, uh, we did a, a little show. Vincent Era, on Morbid Angel, I believe, like 13 or 14,
0: something yeah, was, like that. It was, it was way was, back.
1: It was the same weekend we recorded the uh, Anthrax show, in fact. Yeah, we did up at the cabin. Yeah, up at the, uh, the cabin on Lake Michigan. Uh, but autopsy, getting into that stuff. Um, autopsy was a different breed of American death metal. It was almost the exact opposite of what...
0: The rest of the American death metal scene was doing. It was the opposite know? of death and the whole kind of Florida thing yeah. that was going on for sure. I mean, they were more. I mean, on the surface they seem sloppy. There's more doom elements to mm-hmm. it, but really that's still sludgier. You know? It's sludgy, but as far as like the the way it's you know orchestrated and put together, it's like way more complex. You know, on, on further listening and mm-hmm. more examination, and I think a lot of the people and uh, especially like you know the guy, the dudes from Dismember and, and Tomb for sure heard. What Autopsy was doing with you know a couple of their earlier records and demos, mm-hmm. and Dismember for sure is is the total kind of. Uh, oh, I, I'm spacing out because it's late at night. I was thinking of the uh, like the protege of oh, almost yeah. of yeah uh, of Autopsy. You can hear so many Autopsy isms, I guess, in in Dismember later on. Not so much on Everflowing Stream, but kind of further on into their career, a little bit riff wise. Mm-hmm. But that's almost the the Swedish tremolo riff. We start hearing that in. Autopsy. A lot of the autopsy stuff yeah, yeah almost even the tone like the i think the tone is what or like the you know the the boss heavy metal pedal guitar tone that oh, what was it leaf leaf from uh cuzzler from uh nihilist yeah kind of brought that to it but a lot of that stuff i think came from you know repulsion autopsy death a lot like early death a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff yeah for sure and and autopsy is a band that like i think i took for granted early on because
1: i just kind of thought they they weren't Really, a good American death metal
0: band. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know where to put them. You know, like how to approach them because well, they weird they're on Peaceville too. Yeah, so it was like okay, because back in the day, well, when the labels were small and they only had maybe eight to ten bands on them, it was something to where like okay, they're on Peaceville, so Peaceville is more kind of like an arty European. Thing, but then they'd have bands like Doom and Electro Hippies, and then wow. they, they had a very bizarre roster. And the say same to
1: year that, that Autopsy, you know, is, is on Peaceville, uh, I, I, even though it's kind of, I was going to get to it later. This is also when Soulside Journey comes out from Dark Throne on Peaceville as well. Yeah. Which, again, another bizarre band to be on Peaceville. That you know, where do you fit Dark Throne in with you know, Autopsy? Soulside Journey is almost a pre-Swedish death metal, yeah. Death say, record. It's you know? definitely like in tune, clandestine, like you know, and yeah. stuff, but. But yeah, so you know, Autopsy's one a band that I've really, really grooved on uh, the last couple of years or so and went back and picked up most of their back catalog. And, and I would say they're one of the, the top two or three bands that I remember seeing at uh, Maryland Death Fest. In terms of, like, oh, totally, yeah. You know, just the impact they had. Even going by shit out- fun. exciting the, the crowd. By yeah. shit fun, but don't look at the cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even, even some of that stuff sounded good live. Yeah. You know, and it really, really sort of fit together. Maybe the crowd pleaser of the weekend you know, in terms of like the energy of the crowd and it was at night, so everyone, it was like the the
0: main kind well, of Well, and I had uh, for, you know, for one, that was like a band that slowly has kind of built up cachet in my kind of musical history knowledge and everything lately, so it was like, that was just huge to see them because I never saw them back in the
1: yeah.
2: day.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they even really toured that much outside of the West Coast. Well, and
1: speaking of they had a huge influence on the European scene and um, a couple a trio of bands that we're going to get into next Dismember, Entombed and Grave, definitely uh, carry the spirit of Autopsy this sort of warm, punky, groove-laden kind of sound that, that you know, defines this whole Stockholm Swedish metal scene. Uh, but before we get into talking about those, I just want to mention a couple other things happening in Europe that we won't have time to play, but, you know, uh, Sweden, a lot of things were happening in Sweden, as we'll, we'll mention in a second, but you had Tiamat, Astral Sleep, At the Gates, the debut EP, Gardens of Grief. Uh, also in Sweden, you had Unleash, Where No Life Dwells, kind of part of the Really the holy foursome of Stockholm
0: in a way, like mm-hmm. in terms of that that the kind of sound. Um, well, I think it, the only thing they had the artificial separation of labels. Yeah. Because uh, you know, Dismember ended up putting out like an ever flowing stream a little after um, left hand Path. Well, and it was on nuclear blast. It's on nuclear and on blast and century media and tombs on Earache and yeah. then Grave well grave is on was on grave Century, on century media, media as well. But so. speaking of Century Media real quick while we're on it, in the eyes of death comp, is I got to pick this thing up nineteen ninety one. Bought every single album on it, and that's the. I think that's one of the last compilations I've ever done that with. Yeah. But it was just like one band. Every band was was completely different, but just completely unbelievable at the time with our you know limited frame of reference of this stuff. Yeah. This this thing rivals uh, War Comp and
1: um, the other compilation that we did, uh, <laughs> a Projection
0: of Stained Mind. Yeah. In terms of just like classic. Oh pro- metal yeah, comics. Projection's a little weird. It's, well, it's it's, all it's more of a historical document. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, this has stuff that's that has not been released anyplace else as well. It actually, has stuff that's been on the sure and some of the Some of the too. stuff
1: that it's putting out are records that I was going to mention. But you know, Unleashed, Asphyx, Tiamat, Morgoth, Grave, and, and even Loudbless yeah, from France. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so Morgoth's Curse came out this year. Asphyx is the rack. Uh, Gorefest, Mind Loss came out. Uh, Samales worship him. Coroner's Mental Vortex. Um, you know, so a lot of different things. And then black metal's starting to like kind of. It's bubbling to the surface. You know, yeah, the debut of Dark Throne, which was more of a Swedish death metal record yeah. than anything. And Bathory's Twilight of the Gods, which is sort of uh, their entryway into like kind of crappy keyboard laden Viking metal stuff that's not really very interesting. So, yeah. But the cool stuff happening in Europe. <laughs> okay, back to Stockholm. Uh, uh, we've talked a lot about the Stockholm scene. If you listen to our. Uh, entombed hall of fame uh left hand pass show. show and our dismember show that we did quite a quite a ways back and so of course it's defined by the warm sort of sound the boss uh the boss pedal that mark was making reference to before and you know these three bands i think are, are the
0: best torchbearers of that sound dismember entombed grave there's a lot of- well and they're, they're three very different torchbearers i mean grave especially grave kind of predates everybody but because they they basically they what came what was their from, name prior to Grave was uh I, f- I forget now it was in the
1: Swedish Death Metal book they talk a lot about it I ah, forget well, now but well.
0: they basically they the the three dudes that were in that is uh Jorgen Safstrom um oh god I'm totally Jens okay there's three dudes in the band it, <laughs> yeah, it's late yeah, it's, yeah. you can look it up on Wikipedia or something <laughs> but they basically lived in this little island oh yeah yeah okay. off the coast so there was, there was they were kind of like working in their own little microchasm yeah and um i know i forget the the the, whatever that the band was previously to that but it's basically i think it was mostly the same guys in that band and they they kind of like blew everybody away by like putting out this like what the hell is this Mm -hmm. like as far as being sludgy kind of slow but yet you know at fast bits and just the vocals well into the grave their debut record that comes (coughs) out is got to be one of the heaviest
1: records ever that was and put it's, out in terms bass heaviness. And they like,
0: captured the guitar.
1: Yeah. It's I don't just, know. <laughs> oh, man, it's just so deep, you know, everything about it. And then Dismember, of course, is formed out of the kind of the remnants of Michael Mott's Carnage. You know, Mott leaves, goes to Carcass, which we'll probably be mentioning Micah Mott and Carcass a little bit later, I would imagine. And uh, then of course Nih- Well they were dismembered then from Carnage then went back yeah, to dismembered. And, and then uh Nihilist of course becomes entombed and Johnny from Nihilist goes and forms Unleashed. So they're they're all part of this this crazy stuff and you should just read Swedish Death Metal and mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense than what Mark and I are probably talking about right now.
0: Well I think the reason why I think Like an Ever Stream holds up so well for me personally is that it was if Left Hand Path was recorded that well, like this was the first Swedish death metal record that I think was captured 100 percent sharp.
2: You yeah,
1: know, I mean, just it, it cut through you, especially that opening riff over the overture. Oh yeah, really cuts right through you. And the song we're gonna play here, and, and so is Life. You start to hear some of the 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 twin lead melody hints that that the Iron Maidenisms that they really start to explore on later. It's, it's almost kind record. of their
0: epicness, like you know the
1: the song Left Hand Path, the, yeah. the phantasm kind of riff, but. Yeah. And uh, and then clandestine from Intune, which is kind of a controversial record for some people. I think the songs hold up really well in terms of songwriting, vocally.
0: You know, it's okay, tit or miss. But but the drum performance by Nikki is just so. Well, and he's been he's been over the top. Yeah, he's know? been quoted so many times. I made like basically he wrote it overly complex, where it's hard to play live. Yeah, it's not even like it's not like a, a real technical thing where you can you know you're playing you know a certain beat on this symbol and this and this. It was just purposely complex, yeah. stop start, really weird rhythms. It and reminds stuff. me of the first time I heard Remission from Mastodon. You know,
1: yeah. In the first couple of times I heard, it, I'm like, how can he do this drum stuff? Then you see him live, and you're like, okay, he's got.
0: He's gotten a pro. He's got like a he flow, was, but he knows but Nikki doing. was all. It was almost like he had some kind of like body memory it's to remember jerky. how to do these. Yeah, things. it's yeah. a
1: really jerky sort of record, you know. And uh, fortunately for us, when we saw in tune back in Maryland a couple months ago, they played quite a few songs from Clandestine. They played like five. Played Stranger Hands. Yeah, they played did play Stranger Hands, which we're uh, gonna play. uh And Stranger Hands, people could hear this prior to Clandestine on the Stranger Hands EP, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: which featured
2: had like dusk, dusk and
0: Shreds of flesh. flesh. Yeah. So Dusk and Shreds of Flesh are two of their faster. Yeah. And they it's played Shreds of, Shreds of Flesh uh, live. It. Did it's, they? Yeah. It was awesome. Well, they did. That's right.
1: But anyways, uh, enough about Sweden. We'll uh, we'll let you uh, judge for yourself with Dismember, <coughs> Entombed, and Grave. And then we've got a, sort of a trio of oddballs from around the world uh, that we'll, we'll come back from and, and talk about those when we get back. So Enjoy. And so is Life from Like an Overflowing Stream from Dismember, which I should mention if you uh, picked up uh, recent issues of Decibel, the one where Mark, Number 70. Mark did the cover, uh, the Danzig cover. There's a Hall of Fame on Like an Overflowing Stream, and you can read a little bit about that. And then we've got tomb, Stranger Gans from Clandestine, and then Haunted from Into the Grave, it's the debut from Grave. lavaging uh, expectations, dot, dot, dot. I'll let you uh, yeah. finish off the You've rest. got the record, you know. Yeah, exactly. From necroticism, uh, discanting
0: uh, the Insalubrious. Insalubrious, yeah. Necroticism, discanting the insalubrious. Jesus, say that Ten times fast. See, that, that, this was one of the records that actually got my parents behind me. Like, look how smart these guys are. Well, I had yeah. the. Uh, the They're actually like increasing my vocabulary. But I had like I remember <laughs> I had the pieces. Dismember EP And uh-huh. my mom pulled me aside. We had the talk. Like, you know, what, what's wrong with you? Well basically just like explain Satan, this to me you, and I I, I talked animals, to her for you know. twenty five minutes about how I got into it and she's like, Okay. Yeah, and I, I never I never heard another thing about it. That's funny, I I didn't have that conversation. I
1: think um I had it when I was younger with like Motley Crue and, and some of that stuff, but mm-hmm. I think the the satanic stuff, like my mom just never
0: well, I was buying just, the, the T-shirts and stuff. At this point, I, I had Dismember really big on my car in the back window. Yeah, I was on the front. I kind of,
1: you know, grazed into it. You know, the only thing I caught some flack for uh, was my uncle with a Danzig bumper sticker that had like a, like a demon head and a cross probably really? on it and stuff. Yeah, that, Danzig's huh. weird. He rubs some people the wrong way because he's you know such a whatever. Yeah. But then uh, before that we had Sepultura, Infected Voice from Arise, and Pestilence's Twisted Truth from Testimony of Ancients, and then we had the uh, Swedish trio before Grave Entombed and started things off with Dismember, but uh, I guess we'll go backwards first. We'll talk about Pestilence for a moment when the Dutch kind of metal scene, which is Fix and uh, Gorfess were part of, and Thana, uh, Thanatos. Thanatos. Uh, but this record was really huge because it had a lot of crossover appeal. It, it fit with the technical metal people. Yeah. It fit with the Thrash metal fans because it had enough catchiness to it.
0: Well, consuming impulse was the first thing I heard, and back in the day, it was like through a tape trade, mm-hmm. and it did not do anything for me. It was so kind of one-dimensional. It seemed like back at the time, everything almost was on the same sound sound wave mm-hmm. level or something. Now, sounds, but then, yeah. though, it sounds great now, going back and listening to it after the fact. But then, hearing testimony, ancients that was one that really got a lot of a lot of play. And that was something like you know this and uh, Sepultura both came on Roadrunner mm-hmm. this year, which is a pretty diverse kind of offering. And they were Same starting demolition, down yeah, a possession. Yeah, they're kind of, of like pulling, calling all these all these different artists from different like areas of the world. And Sepultura mm-hmm. arise in my high school was probably the the. The record everybody had that was remotely into heavy music at yeah. all—it yeah. sold huge. Yeah, that
1: that record, I feel like a rise and like stuff like you know, probably Cowboys from Hell, right around the same era. Those were two records that were big gateway records. But a rise is way heavier than Cowboys, you know, mm-hmm. with death vocals and different things. So that was that was such a bridging. Well, record. the whole weird
0: thing is that the big thing was oh, they're from Brazil. Yeah, that that was a selling point. Yeah, for people. it was. It was because who the hell heard of any band from Brazil yeah. when you're 16 years old? I know, outside of maybe a pop singers something. And but.
1: I mean they wrote good songs.
0: You yeah. Know? I mean like Dead Embryonic Cells Arise, you know, there's a lot of great
1: songs on this record that it just it holds up solid. I mean, it's it's not that much heavier than Injustice for All really. It's just the vocals like are
0: that. slightly more gruff. But yeah. That's
1: yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, but and then of course Carcasses Necroticism, uh, which we've talked a lot about in, in past shows and stuff. But this was, you know, the joining of Mike Mott with the band, uh, so it got a lot
0: more technical, got a lot more um, I well they, they, the I think they, melodic is the word. They I'm jumped headlong into their image as well. Yeah. Yeah. But but also kinda of like classed it up a little bit from the spatter covers and yeah, yeah. and then you know, throwing the, the medical samples and
1: things like that in there. But uh, you know, this is this is epic here and definitely these are our Hall of Fame records, you know, that we're yeah. talking about here. <clears throat> um well, we're running short on time. I should mention that uh in terms of the British scene, which Carcass introduced and we're gonna close things out with a trio of British uh bands. Uh, Napalm Destiny, Utopia Banished was also released this year
0: in Pitch Shifter Industrial, which are uh, we, we was probably one of the last songs to get axed from our set yeah, list. Just purely of kind of, you know, it would have been interesting to kind of show. Yet the other kind of like end of the godflesh kind of spectrum, yeah,
1: but. yeah, and a great record if you haven't heard it, definitely get it. But you can get uh, it for like a dollar, probably. Yeah, probably. We're gonna close out with a trio of British things, and these are bands that we've talked endlessly about, so we don't need to go too much into their history. But we've got Bolt Thrower, Cathedral, and Paradise Lost, and this was uh when Warmaster came out, and we're gonna be hearing Shreds of Sanity, and then Cathedral. Uh, we've done a whole two part on Cathedral. Force of Equilibrium of course is infamous for introducing the world uh, back to Lidorian uh, but in a much different way. Slower. Uh, just almost ridiculously slow and doomy and sludgy and taking lots well, of like, trouble on sl- candle mass and yeah and you know, Witchfinder general all this yep. kind of stuff all and rolling this. it into one uh the song we're gonna play soul sacrifice is probably the fastest song but we we chose it for song length because everything's like seven minutes on this record yeah uh
0: and then paradise lost is gothic falling for uh falling forever and this, this i think this song is actually uh nick holmes least favorite song on is the it record really? He said he'll never play it live because he hates the lyrics. Okay, well,
1: I'm glad we. I'm glad <laughs> we chose it. I like the it. song,
0: I think it's a pretty cool song. <clears throat> There's not a bad song on that
1: record. I don't think. What are your thoughts? Uh, you're you're kind of big on these three bands. Any any closing thoughts for the
0: the listeners out there? Uh, it just gives me uh, warm feelings of that you know nice time in my life yeah, I when do. I didn't have to worry any about it except how how could I scrape together eighteen bucks to buy another Bolt Thrower CD? And that's and actually the- funny thing about Bolt Thrower is. Uh, this bother is kind of another one of those bands like they were covered in, you know, like Thrasher magazine and stuff and there's a lot of this weird crossover with all the grindcore stuff and skating. And a friend of mine uh he had relatively pretty cool parents and uh he's like, "Yeah, dude, uh, I'll give you 25 bucks if you'll draw the Warmaster cover on my wall." And I painted the whole Oh, thing on his, on his wall, and his mom came home and didn't really. Uh, I don't think she understood the breadth of what decapitations and you know people being <laughs> impaled and all this stuff on the cover. But I think I have a <clears throat> I have a Polaroid of it someplace. Did she?
1: Dig, so she, he got in trouble for it then for the drawing or
0: no? Well, just the the graphic oh, nature of it. There were going folk and whatnot, so so uh, entertaining. It.
1: Well, let us know. Obviously, we we have so much more we'd love to talk about. There's so much stuff that happened in 91. It, it gets hard to fit everything in. So let us know what your thoughts are. Maybe if you missed something, uh, send us an email at RequiemPodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Check us out on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, go to the website, RequiemPodcast.com.
0: And you if you uh, would like artwork. to. Yeah, you, there's original artwork. You can also help us out by giving us the, a donation through PayPal to help us with our sure. operating we got costs. Mugs, t-shirts, all kinds of different things up there. So which have been selling. Yeah, cool. Yes, cool. We have well, a little bit to, in, our, in our coffers. I so. need to get. I need to make some new t-shirts. Is what yeah. I need to do. But yeah, that one's pretty cool. But anyways, uh, we've got Bolt Thrower, Cathedral,
1: and Paradise Lost uh, to close things out for the third most crucial year in metal history, in our humble opinions. And, and I am Jason, and I'm Mark. Enjoy.
3: Give and save our precious souls. Live the truth from us. Forget the lies. Live the reality. Sorrow, the love is lost. Disruption begins.